Welcome to the Business Herald podcast. The Business Herald is a weekly roundup of all of the top UK business news stories by email, social media, and this podcast. The podcast will feature some of the week's main stories, and we'll be joined by various business people on each episode to discuss the week's news and how it might impact a smaller business like yours. And hopefully we'll have some fun on a Friday too. I'm your host, Stephen Mather. I'm a lawyer for SMEs, and I help business owners sleep better at night by sorting their legal problems out. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Business Herald. Okay, so welcome along to episode 25 of the Business Herald podcast. This week, I'm joined by Yemi Jackson. Yemi is the CEO of and founder of Engage Transform, a talent acquisition development company with the mission of increasing the placements of women and BAME talent in senior positions in STEM industries. Yemi has over 25 years experience prior to founding Engage Transform. She's also the founder of Building Inclusive Boards, BIB, a talent incubator and accelerator for minorities seeking board positions. She's a qualified accountant, member of the Associated Chartered Management of Accountants, and completed her MBA at Warwick Business School in 2018. Welcome along, Yemi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, it just shows you how much the world has changed because we've become, we've literally become connected because I literally posted something on LinkedIn. And um, just to, you know, she's kind of shared my background. Um, I'm very, very new to social media. So I am very new to entrepreneurship, full stop. So up to three years ago, I never thought I had this entrepreneur gene. So I thought, you know, I believe they were born, not made, but obviously I've proven that wrong. So I started my first business, um, Engage Transform, because I just felt there was, I felt, I met a lot of people like like me, right? So, you know, they were um, highly qualified, lots of experience, but yet whenever I went, was I the only accountant? And I just knew and felt there was something missing. So there was the talent out there, the organizations were saying they couldn't find them. Um, and I suspected that these people in the middle, which are the recruiters, there's some fantastic ones, were potentially the blockers. Um, right. you know, three years on, I've proven that, yes, they are, in fact, because once it starts to get to leadership positions, which is what we do, you know, for example, I'm working on a role right now that I am not advertising because if I do, I'll get flooded, right? So what organizations tend to do is they'll go to really good talent acquisition companies that they trust to say, look, this is what we're looking for. This is the caliber you sift through. So therefore, you've got this two-layered sifting goes on so if they don't get past the talent acquisition team the organizations never see them yeah. and what tends to happen is as we all do and which is what i'm doing is i'm turning it on its head <laughs> is people reach out to their networks okay so you know so sure. when i do find these awesome talent for organizations that have been told in the past are not there they will have you done it because i've done what they've done for years which is actually i have so many that i know um, you know, most of them MBA graduates, most of them have got fantastic experience. Most don't get to hear about the opportunities until it's too late. Mm. Um, so that's been a real eye opener. And um, being new to the industry, I ensure that I am definitely learning from the best. And sometimes some of them do let slip, you know. So one wonderful lady that I've learned a lot from, um, she said, oh, you know, there's a company that every time they ask me for somebody, I give them a Dave. <laughs> she said, because guess what? 20 out of 30 of the leadership team are called Daves, right? And, <laughs> and, and it makes me laugh, you know, being an accountant, I'm very, I love, I love, I love it. I didn't think I'll be, I'll be honest with you, 10 years ago, I didn't think I'll end up in talent. But what I love about being in talent is a lot of it's actually metrics driven, right? So right. unfortunately, it means it also could be a lot of people in the industry because it's all about how quickly you pay people and how much money you make 
even with those most ethical, sometimes they, they, they're under pressure, you know, they, you know, so I can only do this because I'm doing it in my own business. I can dictate, I can ensure that no shortlist goes to my client without a good representation. That's what we mm. promise. Mm. Every shortlist, the difference, what do we do? We don't exclude anybody, but we will not put any, you know, a list in front of you until it's got women and until it's got very decent, you know, people that meet the caliber. We don't do tokenism. And, and I remember saying this, I thought, oh, if I lost business, we don't, because we know it actually is this, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because if you just put people on, in the list because of, then it will be all right. Okay, they run out there. This is just to make the numbers up. So it's very much about high caliber, people that are competent, able to do the job, but we do tend to are uh, able to find them. So that's how talent, that's how Engage Transform mm. was birthed. And the name itself, even for me, is it, everything I do, it, it's just intentional, right? So it's really about engaging the best talent engaging a diverse talent to you know I genuinely I've always felt in organizations that when our leaders going to get that their whole worth the value of the organization is about the people that they attract right yeah. and diversity of thought so I always say that's why I've, I don't you know I've actually had an offer yesterday for going back to work for someone I said no because I want to be able to influence as many organizations as possible and I've always never understood you know so I had the privilege of I wasn't born in this country um which sounds really awful not not I qualify what I mean because I was I was born in Africa I grew up um seeing solicitors and and lawyers and accountants as you know I of my color so it was never a big deal for me when somebody said well, what do you want to be as an accountant was I actually realized you know for example my husband who was born in this country for them, it was they didn't see their representation. So even yeah. though I mean I came, I've been here since I was eleven, there were certain barriers that I didn't have to battle through. So mm. it wasn't a big deal for me, uh, you know, until I did walk into the room and people do ask, "Are you actually qualified?" <laughs> it's like actually, I'm, I've got two qualifications. You know, one interview, the CEO kept looking, going, and the, my boss was so embarrassed because oh, what you know started to go, but she's got two. You know, she's AC and ACC qualified, and he went a bit red in the face. And actually, that individual became one of my biggest advocates right I've never been offended right so if anything when I walk into a room when people question my capability actually I don't know I'm a bit sinister I love it because it means it gives me an opportunity to really demonstrate how good I am (laughs) but it's time it gives me you know yeah sure to Mm. actually really uh, you know undetected and then come in and and be really good so I I, I've always loved it I've always thrived at it but actually I recognize that I am maybe one of the few privileged people um, in that situation. So, and, and one of my favorite saying, like you said to you at the beginning, is look, you know, with privilege comes responsibility, right? So this this organization for me is, yes, obviously a lot of our fees come from the client. We don't charge our, our, our talent, but actually 50% of our services to the candidate. So what I do is when I meet people, depending on what stage they are, I will link them up with potentially executive leadership coaches. Because some people, it's not about the fact they haven't got capability, but they, they no longer think they have right sometimes oh, being, and, and, uh-huh. and that is you know like I said and that is regardless of race sometimes you know so I had a, a, a white woman the other day and you know I could say we only had half an hour but I could see she was almost quite close to tears as she started to talk about an experience that she had where she she was not the right class for this organization and she applied for first director role and the somebody got her in a corridor and said how you know you're embarrassing why did you even think really? you could ever apply yeah I'm shocking wow. What makes you think you could even apply for a role like that? So it just shows you that. So a lot of this stuff, so I'm very much about how do we open up and break, you know, the glass ceilings. The, the, some people say it's a concrete ceiling when it comes to uh, the race diversity. So, yeah, so engagement. So it was going really well. Obviously, last year happened. 
And I think up to then I was treading water a bit, right? So I would mm. always go to my client. We're all about diversity, but maybe I muffled it a little bit, right? And then last year it was just like, now shouting it from the rooftop. This is what we do. Right. You know, and, and got bold enough to say, actually, don't come to us if you're about tokenism. And, that's, and then actually people start to say, look, can you actually help us with non-executive directors? So we started off really more on that senior level position. Mm. But we never really thought about the boardroom. I don't know. Even so, I think even in my head, I never thought um, we'd get, get that far. So, and then some said, well, could you help us find some NEDs? And I thought, oh, I like this. You know, it doesn't, it's not as much. It's not as, that make much for it because it's, you know, it tends to be quite small fees on that. Yeah. But it was yeah. a great opportunity. And because of an engaged transform, I come across all this awesome talent, right? And, um, and I thought, I'll, 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 you know, speak to a few of them. And I, I always say, look, we are the home of the first because it's a bit dull if, you know, if all we ever do is put people in front of you that's done exactly the same job before. I'm a bit cheap with my clients, but I'm like, right. So you want somebody who's done exactly the same job and exactly the same. <laughs> which is which is one of the fundamental problems with uh, with the people that are recruiting because they yes. um they're, they're asked to you know draw up a job uh, you know person specification and they and they basically write them but 10 years ago yeah and um and and that makes it more difficult for them yeah. to actually entertain even just entertain in their mind that that might be done by now by a black person or a female person yeah and you come yeah. across it so often sometimes i win sometimes i've lost i have lost out because I'm trying to get them and sometimes they're not ready. So I'm learning to read, you know, um, and sometimes it's even diversity of thought. So anyway, this Ned role, they came for one person and they wanted to somebody, they wanted somebody with digital transformation background, but somebody diverse, women, BAME, and they ended up taking two. They were just like, yeah, I mean, when we've been out in the past, the caliber that comes back is just not good enough. So we don't mm. the point, but you brought such high caliber that we can't, it's two of them and we are not going to choose between two. We actually, you know, we, I mean, we started from back 10. Um, and they offered a, a BAME talent, a, a gentleman and um, a, 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 a white woman. It was wonderful. Right. And, and what was lovely about it was, you know, Jack's, oh, sorry, I should probably, you know, she couldn't believe it that it was her first NEDRA. And I was just like, you are born for this, right? You've got 20 years of experience. You've done this in major organizations. This company is like a 10 million pound business. What makes you think your experience, she still didn't feel kind of worthy, right? Whereas men, as much as, you know, I'm sure he's had lots of knockbacks in terms of, from a racial perspective, but he, he was a bit more, yeah, of course, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. It's only a matter of time before I'm recognised, right? It was just so lovely. And that started me thinking, I think, oh, I want to do a bit more of this. And then I met the wonderful Charlotte, who actually set up a board apprentice seven years ago. And I, I mean, obviously, very different journeys, um, Charlotte and I. But seven years ago, she got extremely frustrated. She um, works in financial services and um, started her, her board position about age 40, one of the youngest female on the board. And she sits in about seven, 40, you know, 100 boards. And she was challenging the boards that she's in, you know, very challenging. She said, when are we gonna address this diversity issue? And obviously the boards come back and say, well, it's not, we don't, you know, it's not because we don't want them. It's because they haven't got the experience, right? A bit like your first job when you come straight out uni, where's the experience? I haven't got the experience. because I've been been neck, yeah. Mm. <laughs> So she goes, well, who's going to give them the experience? Who is going to give these individuals the experience? Because we're going to keep talking about this 10, you know, yes, we are, unfortunately, she's 15, now, 15 years old. So that's the birth of Board Apprentice. So she created this opportunity. So why don't we give them a placement on our boards for 12 months? We assign a mentor to them within the boardroom. And, and then obviously she's still very much about corporate governance. She's got, um, we treat them corporate governance and let's see how that goes. And it is actually, you know, actually cited by the Parker Review and the Alexander, the Hampton Alexander Review as one of the 
stimulus for actually being able to achieve the 30% female on boards, right? Because, because, you know, they didn't have the experience. So this was a really good, so 78% of the, of of the alumni end up with a non, you know, end up landing a non-executive director role either within the 12 months um, or, st or straight after the, that. And what I love about the program, so when I heard, I thought, oh my gosh, and she's, you know, I want to be a franchise. I want to do this, but I, I want to pivot my franchise a bit more towards the main talent. Um, sure. Um, because actually we're now getting organizations because there's the pull and push, right? So we can train guys, but if there's no push from the institute, institute investors on a lot of the boards, they say, look, we want you to have more diversity. Mm, yeah. So that's now starting to come. So the really yeah. smart organizations, those that are forward thinking, I think, okay, let's start to address this. So they were coming to Charlotte and say, we want, you know, but she didn't have enough in the pool because not that she excluded them, but it's just, again, everybody reaches out to their pool. So a lot of her guys were, most of them were financial, you know, from the sort of financial sector and things. Whereas I deliberately am industry agnostic because that's how I find disorcing people. Because yeah. I say to people, look, um, uh, it, we're not just about diversity in terms of visible ones. We are also about diversity of thought. So I always talk about my Russian CFO guy, this wonderful guy who I landed his first CFO role, you know, straight out of an MBA. Um, because he just had the mindset to do it and he beat people that had much more years of experience on paper but he had the right mindset that the CEO wanted. CEO wanted somebody that was not just a, a regular CFO um, that just wanted to sit and do the numbers, he wanted somebody that would come and challenge and work with him and he was just perfect, perfect for the role right so so really big on diversity of thought so that's how birth of build an inclusive board so <laughs> So I was talking to Charlotte for a little while and she's very bold and she just said, you know, almost like, when are you going to do it then? <laughs> okay. And it's quite nice. I, feel, I haven't got a boss, but it's quite nice. So someone that gives me a bit of a kick because obviously yeah. Engage Transform, I do it at my own pace, you know, do and it. things like that. What's been wonderful building inclusive boards is it's been fantastic for me, even as a small entrepreneur, because the corporate governance I've had to put in place because it's a non-for-profit, I've had to put a steering, you know, steering committee in place because what we're saying is, look, if we're telling people if we're, if we're telling people about corporate governance, we need to be able to demonstrate it. So I've got a group of people that I'm totally accountable for too, that will be saying to look, how many apprentices have we got? How many host boards mm. have we to, to support you? They interview. So for example, one of the ladies on my steering committee is an ex-Deloitte partner, an ex-lawyer, and also an executive coach who coaches a lot of these board positions, all right? So some of the, you know, so I'm getting her to do the interview because obviously there is a gap, right? And when she's interviewed, she's like, yeah, me, I'm not sure they're ready. And I was like, yes, you know, there is a gap, Sally. They, they might not be ready. They yeah, they, not they, ready they, they're, they're not, not quite there. But they're there's, not quite there. And there's almost something, this. yeah, there's mm. almost, um, so you, you, you mentioned a couple of times that you don't do tokenism. And, and yeah. I get that. And, and there's a there's a potential there's a there's a suspicion maybe that some of the companies particularly the the, the FTSE kind of 300 level um that they might be doing a little bit of tokenism by getting people on as a as a, as a ned because that kind of adds to the figures and it makes them look a little bit better but is it it's almost the case that you kind of say actually i'm prepared to put up with that because it allows me to show you know actually get someone there and then they can show the talent yeah yeah so that's when they, of, the time to shine is yeah so i think it's two-way right so when i say that i mean we will still for me for example the people that i put forward i will i they still need to have the caliber right they they, have they're to still going to be the right person yeah, yeah absolutely you, have, don't, you don't you just know. pick anybody and go well yeah, this this, so, this guy's been you know stacking shelves recently yeah, and now we want him at board level of course you're not yeah, going to do that yeah, but yeah, yeah yeah so for us we we are looking at you know you know at the moment because there's so much work to do I am picking those that have got minimum 10 years solid experience. 
um, and actually have had some exposure. So either they've gone to present to the board, they know what corporate governance is, they've invested time themselves in finding out, right? Mm. This is not a... Um, yeah, so it's, it's got to be people that are really hungry for this at the moment. So that's, that's the level we're at. We may get to a stage where we start to, you know, but at the moment, there's more than enough people out there that are desperate for the opportunity. And if in their sure, current yeah. career trajectory, they're never going to get there, right? And what we also find in the community is a lot of the guys have had to go contracting. You know, some because they just think, actually, I can earn a lot more money, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. For less stress. I don't yeah. have to part with microaggressions because... Again, if you're not seen as a threat, you're, you know, you just have a, um, some are because they want a permanent role, but they just not had the opportunity. So a mixture of people, but it means on paper sometimes, organization be like, oh, but it's, it, oh, it's moving around. You know, you get all of the, oh, it's been around a bit, you know. So this is just really breaking the barrier and, and, and yeah, and it is very much getting the opportunity to, you know, that same way it says, look, if they don't give us a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. So what I say to the boards that we go to is, look, we know, and let's be, I'm very pragmatic as well. Sometimes I'm a bit too pragmatic, right? The, the reality of it is in any boardroom, you'd have 10 to 12 members. Yeah. Those positions are not going to be open every year. You know, they're not going to go around. So it, it's going to take a while to get round, right, to even a point. And, and it's deliberately not a, um, a recruitment because it's an education. So we, this is an education. What we're saying to the board is give us a seat, a permanent seat at the table to teach and train individuals so that every year, ideally, we want you to have somebody new to get that opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. And our apprentices, well, as far as we can see, we've given you 12 months <laughs> in the room, we'll do our best to try and hit, get you find out you've got enough, you know, you're in the room. So what you tend to find is a confidence boost the boards love it. So it's a bit of a, a two-way um, mentoring, right? So they're mm. learning, they're having people in the room that they probably don't normally, won't be yeah. normally in a social circle. Yeah. Um, and everybody's learning from each other, you know, and some of the boards, yes, they're using it as an opportunity to address the gap in the room, apart from a um, diversity, but sometimes from a skill set. And some people might think, oh, but that's this, you know, but it, believe me, our, our apprentices are not the one losing out of this. They are gaining. No, no. And it sounds um, it sounds absolutely brilliant. I mean, what a what a fantastic yeah. opportunity for those um, those people that do you know that are working at that level but don't have the opportunity. Like, I mean, amazing opportunity for them. And it also, um, uh, yeah, I'm saying it, it kind of ticks the box of the companies because it allows them to go well. At least even if they don't genuinely. Um, genuinely want to improve their diversity and inclusion um, stats, like it, it kind of lets them tick a box. And then over a period of that, you know, um, six months, 12 months um, time, they start to go, actually, like, this it's is right. really good. This, this, right. this, <laughs> yes. this, this person really knows their stuff. And yes, they, yes. they've come up with some fantastic ideas. One of the things that I, I love, and, and, and you mentioned it earlier, was just that the, the, the person's background means that they bring a different angle, different viewpoint to something. Mm-hmm. And, and that could be, um, that you know, they they um, they could do that and all of a sudden open up a whole new customer base or an, a whole new view on a product or service yeah. because they've come from a different background. So yeah. it's a great, great opportunity for, um, for, for both people involved in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one question that I've got, um, uh, I've got for you though, is how, how do um, so that works really well in in massive organisations, large organisations, uh, FTSE, you know, five hundred kind of companies where they've got a massive board. How does that filter down? Do you think uh, to smaller organisations? So what we're doing is actually so I've started off um, initially. So I mean Charlotte. So to date, I mean Charlotte's been doing this for seven years, and she's like, I should have more boards in this. You know, she's got fifty four host boards. 
um, and they vary. So they go, so the, the likes of JP Morgans are on our hosting um, apprentices and um, actually they're the likes of um, a, a few universities, you know, they love it because they see it as this fantastic opportunity. They actually take two a year and they come back and there's tenure. They've said they, they prefer two years because they really think those guys will gain, gain more out of it over two years, right? So we do have a mixture. Um, we do have a mixture of non-for-profit, like I said, the likes of the university boards, and we mm. have the likes of, you know, on the other extreme, JP Morgan, the Blackstones, and et cetera. Effectively, all of her boards actually sit on, they have no choice but to have, they take two apprentices a year, right? Um, so, but what's happening is actually, we are increasing to, we are starting to increase some SMEs who, um, we, the, the, we do have a criteria. It's got to be a proper board. Yeah, it can't be Joe Bloggs and his dog, right? Sure, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> can't afford... Um, who can't afford the experience mm. I want to use it. So I've actually recently had to turn down somebody who wanted to host a board and um, host one of our apprentices because I just didn't feel they'll get that experience in that room. So I said, look, I can help you find a NED, right? And yeah. let's just say what it is. But this is a, they, they're looking, they, that individual is coming to learn. It's not, we can't be where it's all of the um, our apprentices giving, right? It has to be, they have to be mentored by someone who's mm. been doing this for a while, right? So always mm. we start to lose the value of it. And um, so we are open to SMEs. We are open to them and we definitely welcome. Um, I'm, I'm thinking around, you know, this is around 10 million pounds upwards, right? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So, you know, so for example, the two NEDs that I placed, um, but their governance structure is really, really strong. Mm. Um, so even in the, since I've started January, you know, we've got the ICAEW, which is a fantastic. Yes, it's a global organization. Um, but what's lovely about them is they have several boards. So they said, you know, cheeky me. It was like, can we go, can we have an apprentice on each of your boards? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, steady, steady. I mean, let's just try one first, which is going to be fantastic because these guys are, they are all about corporate governance, but they know they haven't got the diversity that's required. Mm. Because historically, to be on their board, you have to be ACA qualified. But the gap is potentially technology. So they're going to test this out and see how it works. And um, I've got another um, quite big um, housing association who, who, again, have lots of committees. But I said, let's try it on our main board first. Because um, even though for this housing association, even though the CEO is black and the chairman is BAME, but the 11 board members are all white. <laughs> so, right. so they, because I think historically people didn't even think it was an option for them. They didn't know mm. how to go about it. So I just hope that what it this does is builds the confidence. Like you said, as I'm a very much about when you get people, once you start to get people connecting on a level that is not, the barriers start to come down. I just find that the subtlety of it that actually, like you said, when they start to watch, some of them will be watching from the corner of their eye and actually so these individuals just as good as as the people that they would have nudged in the past. So really hope that it's, it's going to be, it, well, it's proven to be quite effective. Mm. Um, and what we are, you know, for us, the, the effectiveness of the programme is the number of host boards we get. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'd like to appeal to anybody that's listening to this. If your business is... 10 million pounds upwards and you want some diversity around the table please do give us a seat at the table what yeah. we tend to find a lot of the smes obviously because they they're getting access to high really high caliber talent most often or not they end up offering them a ned role right of course um, yeah yeah and there's one wonderful story that charlotte shares where uh, you know pretty high flyer um financial services and because obviously our, our our apprentices choose which when the host board opportunity comes they will choose which one they want to apply for so we try to mimic as much as possible as if you're going for proper board roles. So the board would interview out of the 10 or the three that apply who they feel is the right fit, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously we'll challenge mm -hmm. them if we think there's any sort of kind of gross bias going on, right? 
Um, but one of the ladies, an, an SME board came up and Charlotte's like, go for it. And she used to be like, mm. I think she was holding out to obviously the big names, right, to put on your CV. And she said, you know, the experience you're going to get is going to be phenomenal because you've always been in FTSE 100 companies. Actually, being in that SME environment is going to be brilliant. Absolutely. She went for it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. The company loved her. They offered yeah. her an actual paid role the, the following year. And then, and then, you know, and that was it. And then finally, when they were wanted to actually float in a small stock exchange, they looked, they were looking for CEO and she ended up getting that role. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So what, is, what I love about this, it's just breaking barriers both ways because you mm-hmm. know, I deliberately, in my career, I started off with, you know, 20 billion pound business and deliberately went smaller and smaller and smaller. And as I went to small organizations, I was able to get the breath. And that's probably how I, you know, was able to get into, you know, it still took me too long. I should have been a finance director a lot earlier, but, you know, I did end up getting my FD role because I went to a small organization. I loved it. It gave me a breath of experience. Um, and so that's what's quite nice about it. It's been able to. And the other thing that's really nice about this opportunity is one of our alumni um, is she's, she got frustrated because she couldn't, she was not getting the break that she needed in the in corporate world and started, right, I'm just going to set up my own consultancy. I'm fed up with this, right? So seven years ago, she was one of the first apprentices and she landed on a JP Morgan smaller boards. Um, so, and, and she's still sort of on there now and she's like really pallid with the chair, but it gave an opportunity, you know, so where some people have written themselves off the corporate ladder and think, okay, I'm just going to set up because what, that's what happens in it. And that's what did used to happen. Uh-huh. You find very exceptional women and being talent when they couldn't just, they just got tired of trying to kick against or whatever the grain. Most of them left the corporate world and set up on their own. Sure. Yeah. I myself, I thought, oh, well, that was it really. You may, I'm not going to get the opportunity, you know, even with all those years of experience that I could add to most mm. boards well that's that door shut you know so this is quite a refreshing opportunity as well for entrepreneurs both ways right and, and that's right. that's something that um that will change over the time and it's it's already taken too long and i i, I see that but it will change as uh, like what you said so so when you were growing up it was completely normal to see doctors lawyers accountants being the same color as you because that was just where you're at um, and in this country, it's it's not. And so your young kids perhaps don't have that, mm. um, the ability to be inspired by somebody that's mm. high up and seeing them and going, do you know what? I can, if he can do that or she can do that, then so can I. Yeah. And actually, when we start to see um, more talent come on, even if they're just non-execs, but as, as directors in, in big boards, and that starts to filter down into smaller organisations as well, then you'll have those those young kids that are going, actually, I've got something to aspire to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where the future uh, yeah. is. It's yeah. it's really great and really um, like I think what you're doing and the the idea behind it's fantastic for those people that have are at that level, like you say, they're, they're MBA graduates. They're really kind of pushing the boundaries of, of, of you know of, of uh, pushing their career further and further. That's absolutely fantastic for them. But we've also got to think about the younger generation and how it affects them. And Address by them, yeah. One of the one of the um, the reports that was in um, the news it was a, a week or so ago was about um, apprenticeships mm. um, uh, and and the the stats were um, so in uh, of all apprenticeships starts in 2019 to 2020 13 percent were from BAME um, backgrounds um, but between 16 and 18 year old groups that drops down to just 7.8 which is less than it was the year before mm. um, and and one of the reasons why they say that that the, the, the BAME community aren't getting apprenticeships is because it's just that, that lack of opportunity. Once an apprenticeship um, role is, uh, is advertised, there's a flood of people doing um, applying. 
or more often than not, they're not even advertised. And it's just somebody goes, well, I need apprentice. Do you know somebody? And Dave speaks to Dave and, and, you know, and then some white kid comes along and gets the the role. Mm. Um, And, and so I don't know, it's obviously not what you're doing um, right now, but can you see a situation or a future where that might change and, and actually where I, we go? See, that's why, I mean, that's why I feel really passionate. You know, some people, you know, they either love or hate recruiters for, for the right and the wrong reasons, right? But again, is so for example, we don't normally do apprenticeship because it's just not the level that we deal with, but we have, there is one organisation that we do it for. Um, and the reason being is because of this very frustration, right? They say, look, we can't find it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a huge utility company. And um, my husband, who's actually from a lecturing teaching background, because it's not, I know it sounds terrible, but it, I don't speak the language, <laughs> but it's just a different language at that age, right? That 16 to 18 year old, whereas he's used to teaching them and he gets and he knows sure. how to relate to them. Uh-huh. And, and what we found was this organization, I don't know where they were advertising, they, they didn't find any women and they couldn't find any babe. And, and they, they came, brought us in at a very late stage and we were able to find 20 for them. So it, this is whether it's a communication thing, whether it's what where they're looking, it, it does baffle me because I'm thinking, I, I'm not sort of this, you know, going to disregard the effort we put in, but it's really we've not found it that difficult to find mm-hmm. when you go with the. I always say when you go with a diversity lens, it's often it's so, it's so it's so interesting how how much easier it is to find people. So I think you're right. It is about actually people not even hearing it, and and it's a timing thing, right? So. Okay. They brought us in um, probably, I don't know, four or three days. And normally I'd be just like, but I was so frustrated at the fact, I thought, right, that's it, we're going to do it. So I said, right, you take this one because you can relate to that group, you know, and, you know, spent it, and we found people. Mm. And because we were so successful, they're going to use us now every three months. So it's just something yeah. we put in the schedule and we're doing it because it's almost our, our, our way of giving up. Because if we means we can make a difference and some of these apprenticeship, they were starting off at really decent salaries. They weren't, you know, they were, and some of the guys were like, oh my God, the only ones we've been offered are 10,000 pounds. These were starting off at 16,000 pounds. Right, yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, yeah. so I, I think it's again about organizations knowing that whatever it is they're doing, they, and, and maybe it, it's a timing thing as well. So that's the other thing I think. I think it's like a timing thing. And if you don't, you know, if you don't get to know about it on time, that opportunity goes, and it goes with the very mm. extreme one as well so when you're if they're looking for ceo cfo cto they, they don't leave it open forever no. um and i do think in that ta- there is a lot to do the talent acquisition world to affect change i really do think and we can say you know we're not we're not a massive company but we're making a huge difference already because we are going looking at doing it from a positive action yeah. you know so we will look and go right our, our list is not complete and because yes, if you know, if I was just if we if we regard you know if we don't take diversity for we'll go for the first people that apply and then that will fill that fill this post. But for us, we would never put a list in front of our customer until we've got diverse lists. So it, it means we will go seeking for that diversity, and that's the difference, right? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so 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 I yeah, so I do. I always say to people, look, everybody's got to know what they're calling this. For me, I've very few people are doing it at the level that I'm doing it. Um, and I'm quite conscious that if we can affect it at the very top, it will accelerate change at the bottom. Because right. what I say to organisations, if you only focus at the entry level as well, I know what I was like. If every time I looked up and I didn't see anybody that looked at me, I moved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I moved. And, and, and then, you know, even becoming a finance director, 
Um, um, I actually, you don't think about how subconsciously impacts you, but I worked for a black, you know, black finance director. He was black, but in, in every way he wasn't really because he was an Oxford graduate, you know, <laughs> PWC trained, uh, but awesome guy who took me on as a head of finance. And um, one of the reasons that probably influenced me to become an FD later on as well. So, so, um, so I just think that this, there is a lot of work to do and we, you know, and, and there's various groups that I mean, and we have this same conversation, where do we start? Cause it feels, you know, where do we focus? We focus at the top, do we focus? And I think what we need to do is be, don't spread yourself too thinly, even though I've said that we do have, probably that's the only organization we will do it for. And we do it every three months and we part, you know, I've got somebody just assigned to that because we just felt we need to make this change. And also they're based in the North. Um, if they're based in London, there's lots of people I can refer them to. Uh-huh. Um, and we've been able to find people for them, you know, because yeah. I'll be honest, when we first took it, I thought, well, where am I going to find black people in Leeds and Bradford, right? And they're there, they're there. And, <laughs> yeah, and, the, the, and, the North is, isn't just all white, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And they're there, and, and they are, and it's, they're astounded that somebody's seeking out them for, for it's, these <clears> opportunities. It, 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 it actually, um, I kind of joking aside, it, it, it perhaps is uh, an even bigger issue in that yeah like you say if you go to London that the pool of talent there is going to be easier for you to find um black people to be able to you know apply but as you move up the country um you know it it, it no doubt gets harder and like and, and mm. perhaps not not harder because they're, they're not there but harder because they don't have the people around them to give them that inspiration because somebody <laughs> somebody that has grown up in in, in Leeds you know probably you know don't don't have the number of um of inspirational figures in their life that somebody might do you know having worked and seen down in london like you you know you, you're working for that uh that fd um that you work for mm. you at least you worked for somebody at a black fd and that kind of gave you something yeah mm. yeah yeah um, but some somebody you know up, up north might uh, might not quite have that opportunity i guess yeah yeah mm. yeah yeah but absolutely so, yeah. fascinating I- yeah, I mean, absolutely. So for me, it's, I call it my, bib is my evening job. Right. <laughs> it's my night job, you know, engage trans with my day job. But I absolutely love it. And I have to do get the balance because I'm very yeah. passionate about it. And, and it's just wonderful to be able to knock on those big doors and say, right, guys, you've got a problem. Here's a solution, right? And um, obviously, you know, some of them are nervous about the sort of confidentiality. But this has been, this is just something. And I, I'm, I'm working with Charlotte because I like to, there's no point in reinventing a wheel. It's a fantastic program. All of these sort of NDAs, everything's written, all the contracts. So when we start to show them this, that look, JP Morgan's doing this. If, mm-hmm. if they're doing it, this. So um, some you know, people worried about confidentiality. All of that is no different to a point in a NED. The only difference is that this is these guys are, are using it. You're giving somebody an opportunity to train yeah. and, and increase their increase their their future opportunities, really. And we've got so many case studies that. Um, of how effective it's been so very exciting and that and that uh that is the key for it to be successful like nationwide um is the the case studies to show there's a success behind it at the moment you have you know the larger organizations quite rightly too but those ones that have institutional investors turning around and saying if you don't do this then we're going to change and we're going to remove our funding or whatever um that gives them the kick up the backside that they need to start start it they then realize that actually these people have got a huge amount of talent and, and can add a significant amount of value to us and our business and our customers and our offering. And then as more people see that flowing down in, into in, from the big organizations, the medium organizations will go, 
maybe we should look at that as well then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that will also then flow down into the smaller operator, operators, so sort of, you know, the sub sort of maybe 10, 15 mil categories mm-hmm. where then they do still have a board function, but they're going, well, actually, maybe we need to look at that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and not just because they want to tick a box and, and yeah. be tokenism, but actually because there's some, some real value to add there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're doing is a great idea. I love it. I think, um, you know, I think for, for those organizations that um, that realize that they need to make changes, what a great way of, of doing it and, and introducing them to that pool of talent. Yeah. I, wish you, I wish you all the best with it. Thank you. Thank you. And to those of you listening at home, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, please do so and go onto our website at www.businessherald.co.uk and subscribe to your free weekly email newsletter, which has all of the week's UK business news stories for you to digest on a Friday afternoon. Thanks again for listening. Next week, we have Paul Scully, MP, the MP responsible for small businesses on. I'm looking forward to that. See you soon. Bye-bye.